Welcome to the UK Consult Weekly Podcast with Jonathan Bradley and Elton Daddo, engagement practitioners and general consultation superheroes at Bang the Table in the UK. Hello and welcome to week nine of Jono and Elts weekly ramble through all things online community engagement and public consultation. Now, Jono, I was absolutely adamant this week that we wouldn't mention online video conferencing platforms and things like that. Just before we started recording the, the podcast this week, I noticed hot on the heels of the Marmite versus Vegemite poll, which Marmite won quite convincingly last week, you've launched another poll, haven't you? And it's it's on the subject that we're not going to talk about this week, as I understand it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're exactly right. I couldn't resist it. What is or what are people's favourite platforms? And then I thought, well, you, it can't be favourite because, you know, you've got to ask the question properly, haven't you? So yeah. it might not be favourite. So I think I chose it, changed it to preference. Preference, yeah. So it might be based on a number of things that people like or dislike about um, functionality of platforms and views. Yeah. And all those or things. it might be the one that they dislike the most, the least, sorry. So Yes, yeah, they might, they might actually loathe all of them. Now, yeah. I know, obviously, which one you loathe the most. I'm not going to, obviously, name it. Um, what are the, what's the results so far? It's only just launched, isn't it? So, Believe it or not, it's split 33%, 33%. Across three of them, but one of them, one of them hasn't got any votes yet at all, which I think was strange. Oh, which one was that? What letter does it begin with? Um, hold on a second. No, I'm trying to see where it is now. Hold on. It's not dead. I didn't know you were going to do this. <laughs> it's a curveball. It is. Yeah. Hold on. It's gonna just gonna come up now. Uh, yeah. Go to meetings on naught percent. Ah, well, I know one person who works. Um, very closely with us within Bang the Table, who will certainly be bumping that up. Yeah, I know him as well. Could be possibly Mr. Scanlon, but I'm I'm sure he's been very busy this morning and hasn't had a chance to partake as yet. Vote, yeah. Um, now, last week you set me the tantalising cliffhanger of the letter D from Carol Wire's um, book, which was around dominoes, drafts, and the gaming industry and how they approach consultation and engagement. I now. Did. Before you go on, Elton, there's another Zoom thing we have to come back to, which oh, is, no. is that people are actually debating whether or not it's okay to wave at the end of a, of a, of a Zoom meeting. Oh. Yeah, of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Where's the debate? Yeah. I mean, in a face-to-face -face meeting, you wouldn't wave because obviously you're standing right in front of someone, so it would just look a bit odd, unless you were quite a long way away from them and kind of leaving a building and they were... You'd give a casual wave, wouldn't you, as you left the room, maybe? Yeah, yeah, you might do. There would have to be a set amount of distance, wouldn't there, that would be acceptable for a wave? Because you couldn't just wave in someone's face. So there'd no. have to be a certain number of metres yeah. um, that would be like the protocol for, for waving. Yeah, so there is now like an etiquette of online meetings and whether yeah. to wave or not. So I, I think waving's fine. I think we're going to go for, yes, you can wave. You can absolutely wave, and I think nearly all of the sort of clients or prospective clients that we work with, nearly all of them wave at the end of, a, of an online meeting. It's just, it seems quite a jolly, polite um, ending, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. don't see why not. Well, I'm glad we settled that. <laughs> yeah, that's all sorted. <laughs> um, but yeah, you set me this, this cliffhanger, and 
diligently, obviously, I followed up, but I loaded up a load of pages around dominoes to start with. And it was pages and pages and pages of um, dominoes, pizza adverts and things like that. I even got twitchy on my mobile phone and nearly downloaded their app and ordered something for lunch because I was getting really hungry while I was doing it. So then I changed tack a little bit and I thought, right, one of the biggest game providers is Games Workshop, isn't it? So they have a load of massive brands in their itinerary, one of which, of course, is Warhammer. Are are you a Warhammer fan? Do you know what? I've I've casually walked past the shop. They have a shop in the high street, don't they? And I've looked in and I have thought, oh, that looks quite interesting. Yeah. You know, but I've never really had a go. Yeah, I haven't really. I know there were a few people when I went to school who did all that sort of Warhammer stuff. Um, I just couldn't really quite get into it. But what I thought I'd do was, because as you say, the shops are really visual, aren't they? The way they lay them all out and everything's really, really good. So I found a Warhammer community site and I thought, let's have a look and see how they approach engaging their their customers effectively i found thousands of articles which were all really visually presented in chronological order and we can do this as a judge jono so let me know your verdict at the end i'm taking notes as as taking notes (laughs) they had loads of free web comics which is really good so it's a reason for people to keep engaging and going back so they can download more comics and things like that thousands of faqs um, which were all chronologically listed out really neatly loads of video content and podcasts and then they had a lot of latest news which is which i checked and it's all very up to date it's not like one of those sites that's been left and you know isn't updated on a regular basis so relating that to the ways we and our clients embed engagement hq into a digital strategy to keep people informed i thought that was very very good Beyond that, and obviously you'll be the you'll be the judge, you'll be the judge and jury on it. In terms of getting people involved and sharing ideas or stories and discussing things, so kind of deep engagement, I didn't find it quite so good. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I must. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just think about how much Warhammer players would like to influence the game. Yeah, there must you know. There's so much room for discussion forums. They could map where they're playing, so you could have like a, you could have a global map of Warhammer games going on. You know, the Q and A around future developments. I'm yeah. surprised we haven't got a massive program of online engagement, really. Yeah, I think all of that engagement sits separately from their actual site, so the Warhammer community site in in the, you know like the gaming forums and stuff like that. So they don't necessarily, they're not connected directly then to the Warhammer community no. site. It's its down to the, the community site to actually get involved and look at these forums in order to take ideas from people rather than kind of running their own deeper engagement on their own site. So it was really good on giving away freebies, you know, really quite sales marketing driven in that, in that respect. Not quite so good on involving you know the warhammer brand and characters and all those sorts of things which i don't really know know too much about but i know it has evolved a lot over the years maybe we should get some a representative from warhammer to uh, give us a bit more detail on their uh, community engagement yeah yeah outline the strategy we want yeah. to know more Anyone? are you looking to change it is there like a plan in place for it yeah yeah that'd be good let me let me try and tap into the, the warhammer community engagement team <laughs> and we could get them on as a special guest. I think so. 
Will we have to dress up or? Oh no, it's yeah. a podcast, isn't it? It wouldn't work. No one would know. <laughs> so we'd be sat in the middle of summer in these massive, overbearing, hot costumes for no yeah. reason at all. Yeah. I think we should do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it on the. If, if Matt's listening, and we know he's a, an avid listener, although he hasn't yet served us with, with P45s, um, we'll ask him if he can release some Warhammer costume budget. <laughs> I, think, I think it's only fair. Only fair. It should be a priority, especially for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Now, now you're a very keen, I'm going to say, what has floated your boat this week? And the link being that you put a lot of images up of you actually actually doing real sailing with your son, which, which are always really good down in Cornwall. Yeah. Um, so what, what has floated your boat this week? I think it has to be our coffee and a cake get-together, which was actually a virtual get-together. So we were not in Zoom, though. We were in another platform. Oh, we were in one of the other ones, weren't we? We were in one of the other ones where we got um, a great gang of our clients together and we talked about all things to do with, with online public participation, how they're getting on, what they're up to. And um, they all brought a cake, or most people did, and we got to learn about different cakes. I, I was trying to remember what they were all called. Yeah, because there were a couple of Welsh ones and I wouldn't yeah. attempt to try and remember or pronounce those. It was really interesting that the lengths that people had gone to as well to either raid their cupboards or actually make something yeah. um, in preparation for now, it. Now, there was one client who we're not going to name who just turned up with the dairy milk. Yes. <laughs> a bar of chocolate. Not, uh, you know, we let it go, didn't we? But um... now, What was your favourite cake of the lot? Oh, I don't know, actually. Do you know what? I think it might have been mine. I had amazing flapjack. But I didn't get to show it. We didn't introduce our cakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't, which is just as well, because I didn't have one. But um, I was particularly taken by the, um, and there are other tea cakes available, by the by the Tunnock's tea cake. I thought that was really, yeah. <laughs> was really good. You're biased on that, though, aren't you, really? I'm really biased on it, yeah, because my mum virtually lives on them. Yeah. <laughs> And she listens to this, so I will be in trouble, obviously, automatically. <laughs> yeah, I've basically grown up on them, so I was really pleased to see one because I haven't actually had one for a while. Absolutely brilliant, though, was we've got a community. We've got a community of people together from the NHS, local government, environment agency, you know, lots of other places as well. And they're all they're all there. They want to talk about how we get better at practice, how we improve online public participation in the UK. And it was yeah. really really great to see all those people starting to share and swap ideas so i think we can get you know as we do that you know once every few months we can certainly put some highlights in the podcast well one of the things that really stood that i took a note of was the the ongoing debate around whether or not people should register before they participate yeah you know like i'm a massive advocate of registration because i think it's important that, that you know that people feel safe in online places for for public participation and i think you know that's the commitment that we're making and it's also important to know who's in the room who are we talking to who's involved who's not involved one of our clients actually really really sort of expressed it really well and they talked about our format of online participation almost being a semi-formal arena for public yeah. discourse and i really like that way of describing it if you went to a community centre, if you went to a town hall, you know, if you went to a, just like a meeting, you know, in the local pub, you'd sort of go in and you introduce yourself and you say who you are and where you're from. It's perfectly natural. Yeah. And, and I don't believe that, you know, we should, that people should necessarily have to be anonymous online. When it's a, when it's a semi-formal environment, when you're talking about important issues that affect society, affect your local community, you should, you should just make that commitment to say, hi, 
you know, I'm Jonathan Bradley, you know, I'm 31, etc. Live here, live yeah. there, you know. Um, oh, you're 31? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just gloss over that, Elton. And, um, <laughs> and, and, that, and, and I like that. You know, we're creating semi-formal arenas. And, if there, and there is a place for anonymity. And the people made a really valid point about, you know, that can be done. You can provide another place if, where people want to be completely anonymous. And you can maybe do that on social media. And then yeah. you can compare and contrast the two things. And, and I thought that was really good. So already just from that, that one session, it took that debate further. There were lots of people putting their hands up saying, yes, we need people to register. And there were other people in the room who are a bit uncertain. And their, and, their, and, their, and their senior decision makers have got this default position of saying, oh, no, 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 registration stops people participating. And they've got no basis for that. They're just adamant. And actually, they're wrong because it doesn't. And uh, yeah, we need to get this whole registration debate moving forward. And we did it. And it was great. And, yeah, uh, I, th I thought it was really, really inspirational. And there were two things that I particularly enjoyed about it as well. One of them was that um, discussion around registration, because it then got me to thinking if I was working for a local authority, for example, and I wanted to get as many people involved as possible in something um, in a consultation, in many instances, when we, we talk about the importance of closing the loop on a consultation and saying, you know, you said we did at the end of a, at the end of a consultation, which is a really important part of it, um, it's quite hard to actually take decisive actions on certain consultations if you haven't been able to get the reporting and analysis from the data at the point of sign up. So yeah. it, it can be quite hard to take what you'd call really decisive action you'd be taking kind of a broad brush approach to any interventions or actions that you took as a result of the data that you got just in terms of you know a discussion forum you might have all of the comments but you don't know who said them you don't know the demographics behind it or anything like that so right. you ha you can't necessarily take a really really good guided approach to tackling any or addressing any specific issue within a local authority so yeah. I thought yeah. that was really good and yeah. the other thing that that really inspired me was obviously we've got clients um, based in the UK who have been with us for several years. There was also a really good mix of people um, on that who are just about to launch their, their site, their Engagement HQ site. So they're really early stages of it. So they were also drawing ideas and inspiration from people who have been using Engagement HQ and evolving their engagement strategy over a longer period. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really good to have a mix of people who are kind of ex experienced users and then those who are just sort of coming into it. Yeah, definitely. That's excellent. And uh, I think a massive shout out to um, our colleague, Carla, yes. for, for making it all happen, introducing yeah. everybody in sterling fashion. Yeah, and it's it's an hour long, so you don't get that, I'm not going to call it by its name, you don't get that video conferencing fatigue. <laughs> No. you know with with an hour long it's quite snappy it's punchy everyone has a good chance to have a have a say and, and it almost leaves then a lot of food for thought before we then reconvene for an hour um, in the coming weeks or months so okay. yeah now did anything strike you when we get our little weekly engagement hq new project launches of the week anything in particular for you i think there's been a few elton but i reckon you've got one up your sleeve I've got one up my sleeve, and it's a T-shirt sleeve, so I'm just going to drag it back out. Um, it is Stone Roses T-shirt, no more, no less. Stone Roses, it is a Stone Roses T-shirt, taken from Wembley Stadium two years well, ago. No, I bought it, but um, Wembley Stadium two, two years ago. Reveal, you wouldn't want to reveal that you, you, know, you didn't buy it. 
<laughs> yeah, I just I just walked past and just like stuck it down the trousers. No, no. Um, yeah, from from their last concert at Wembley a couple of years ago, which I recall being a boiling hot day in Wembley Stadium. So I'm longing for the days of concerts to return. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Can't be that long, surely. Yes, yeah, so it was new project launch of the week, Sussex Health and Care Partnership, and it was their Sussex COVID nineteen BAME Disparity Response Programme. Really good. So they're understanding that coronavirus affects different people in different ways. So asymptomatic, whilst for others it can be obviously sadly fatal. But what they want to do is they want to understand more in the BAME communities why there's a disparity in terms of illness and and fatality rates. So better understanding the experiences and challenges faced by those communities during COVID-19. And then they're going to take that information, and this will be really important in terms of what we were just talking about, about signing up and registering, to have that demographic information so that they can use that information to inform and challenge their own services so that they can better support and protect um, people during and beyond the pandemic. Um, so what they've done is they've used a number of the information bearing widgets. Um, they've got a BAME community and voluntary sector webinar um, coming up in August. Uh, they've got a lot of FAQs as well. Now they've they've used a stories tool simply yeah. to encourage people to tell or talk about their experiences during COVID-19. And then that's going. they're going to use that information and data they get in the reporting to help shape how they work together to help people stay safe in the short term and address health inequalities in the longer term. So that's yeah. a, a really good usage that's for them. Really, really exciting project, doesn't it? It'd be great to see the results from that. Um, yeah. See what insight they get and how that translates into changes in policy and practice and all those things. Yeah, I'll put it in the blurb, a link to the site. It's only just launched, so there aren't like massive numbers of engagements just yet. Um, they've also got an ideas board on there about how can we help you? Really, really simple. And then a Q&A as well to enable people to ask questions either publicly or privately. So it's, yeah, really, really good site. And I'll put that up in the blurb as well. Perfect. Now, did you have a stat of the week? I did, actually. Is it your new age? Yeah, yeah, 31. <laughs> I like being 31. Yeah, I almost remember being 31. (laughs) So, my stat of the week is I'm going to reveal the results of the Vegemite versus Marmite poll. Oh, okay. International poll that we undertook um, over the course of the last week. Interestingly, Marmite was started being produced in 1902. Vegemite. In Vegemite in 1922, so I reckon there's a bit of you know they sort of copied a little bit maybe. Yeah, Except changed the colour a bit, made it a bit lighter. Yeah. This conversation's really got the seagulls going too. Anyway, after our international poll, which you know was taken, lots of people took part. I mean, we're talking we're talking a grand total of 42 votes, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'd um, say that's conclusive. It is conclusive, yeah. Um, and Marmite. It's a bit like when you have shampoo adverts, like nine out of 10 people thought our shampoo was the best in the world. And then in the little, on the advert on telly, it goes as said by like five people. Um, so, <laughs> um, 54.8% went for Marmite. So that, that was a big lead. Yeah. 38% for Vegemite. And then 
just over 7%, so none of the above. It's a crushing de defeat for, for Vegemite. Well, I don't think there's a way back, really. It's going to be hard to recover from that unless maybe one of our Australian colleagues launches the same poll <laughs> um, on his own on his or her own Twitter feed in, in Australia. But we still don't know, do we? We haven't got that data. We don't know if there are any anomalies, as we were talking about last week, of English people, British people, whatever it might be, non-Australians voting for Vegemite and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, what it does show is the bluntness of, um, of, of surveys and, you know, and opinion polls. And that's what you know, really what we need is a discussion forum going yeah. on, uh, you know, people telling stories about their experiences of eating Vegemite versus Marmite. You know, it's just as it stands, it looks like Marmite is a clear winner, but there could be yeah. so much beneath that that might make people change their, their, their mind, you know. Yeah. So if you were to do like a deliberative um, distributed dialogue online over a period of a few weeks, you, you might see that those percentages switch around. You just don't know. Yeah, it's the element of surprise as well, or finding out things by running something like a discussion forum that you didn't know before, um, yeah. you know, whether you're a local authority or, you know, whoever's running a consultation. So say, for example, you ran a discussion forum on that, and loads of people started chipping in and saying, well, what about Bovril? Bovril's about, you might yeah. find out something that's really surprising about your community that you didn't know, but you'll never know that if you don't actually ask them the questions and get well, them. There's a, there is, of course, the outlier here, which is that Marmite have produced Marmite and peanut butter in the same tub. Yes. That didn't even feature here. And there was no way that anyone could express that point of view, really. No, no. Because you, you just gave them some simple options, yeah, and that was it. All they could do was just select one. Now, stats of the week. I have. I bet. I bet you can guess what this number relates to. And it, first of all, it's not the number of years it's been since Leeds United last won the league. So it's the number of twen number twenty two. And it's, yeah, as I say, it's not the number of years since Leeds United won last won the league. Because as Matt would tell us, that's twenty nine. Is it 29, is it? That's quite a long time, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I know. I just thought I'd say, no, it's definitely not that. And but then you said it twice, so, like, you're really asking for trouble. <laughs> Are they top of the league now? They're, they're top of A league, yeah. Top of A league, yeah. 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 <laughs> not the league. Might have to buy a Leeds United top just to, uh, just to get back in Matt's good books, really. We could buy him one and send it to him. Yeah, yeah, or we could wear it over our Warhammer outfits. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Well, 1922 is, is the year that Vegemite went into production. So that, oh. 1922. 1912 was the year that the Titanic sunk, wasn't it, or something like that? Uh, 22. You, you you said you weren't going to ruin it earlier by mentioning it in, a, in an earlier piece. Um, so you do actually know what it is. <laughs> oh, I do know. I would, uh, yeah, I just didn't want. I just didn't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> is it the number of people that, the number of clients that turned up to our round table? That is exactly it. Yes. Yeah. So we had twenty two attendees across and obviously we've spoken about it already but really really broad range of sectors and projects and things like that that they work on with us in partnership um and yeah that that was my that was my stat of the week fantastic i like that now did you have any meldrew i don't even know why i asked did you have any how many meldrew moments did you have this week quite a few really quite a few 
Um, what I'm going to settle on um, is what I would call method madness. Right. Yeah. See, that, yeah. See, that's thrown you, hasn't it? <laughs> method madness. Method madness. What it is is when practitioners in our game of community engagement and public consultation get completely bowled over by a particular methodology, and they think it's the be all and end all. And what I'm talking about here is citizens' assemblies or mini projects. And they're great things to do, but there's a danger at the moment within the what is known as the hashtag delib wave that they're being seen to be the you know the cure for everything that's bad about democracy and public participation. We just hold a citizens assembly and the job's done. Yeah. And what we know from years of practice is, is that there's never one method that um, solves you know all of our challenges and actually the best approach to public participation is to use a range of methods and make sure that they're suitable for the audience and they're suitable for the issue and at the moment we're in danger of describing public dialogue and especially deliberative engagement it's in danger of being described as just a citizens assembly and I think we need to row back from that a little bit and yeah open our eyes to all the different ways of doing deliberative engagement especially especially you know asynchronous on online engagement um as, as part of that mix so we mustn't we mustn't all suffer from method madness we need to have our eyes open for different different techniques all the time yeah and has that been precipitated mainly by the pandemic would you say <laughs> Yeah, it's part of it, but they've been, you know, the climate change as well. I mean, there's been great stuff, don't get me wrong. The, you know, some of these citizens assemblies have been really excellent and and it's great that they're happening and not being not being negative about it in that way. It's just a bit of a sort of, you know, a little bit of a warning signal in a way is like, well, you know, don't just rely on one technique, one method. Yeah. Use a variety of techniques. Yeah, on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that made, me, that made me a little bit grumpy. Um, uh, I think we might have to follow up on, see what's going on out in there in the world. Yeah, we have to keep on top of it. Yeah. Now, I don't, well, I think I'm going to ratchet that up a notch in terms of your levels of grumpiness now, because my Meldrew moment of the week relates to an advert that I heard on a London-based radio station, which I listen to quite a lot. And it was an advert for, I know we said we weren't going to mention video conferencing today, but this is already the fifth reference to it now. So let's just forget that. Um, it was one of the providers that you're actually doing your Twitter poll about as well. Now, they claim in that advert that, I can't say the name, the video conferencing that they provide is, that not that doesn't replicate face-to-face, -face, it is face-to-face. Oh, well, it's the same. It's exactly the same. There's no difference. No. So whereas we would say, and obviously we talk, you know, all the time about the importance of face to face and how that is different um, and how there is a, absolutely a place for it um, in conjunction with ongoing digital engagement and things like that as well. Um, they actually said on the advert, it's, it is face to face. It is not similar to or replicating online that they are actually face-to-face, -face. it's the same thing. Have you written to the Advertising Standards Authority? I will be. <laughs> I'll be writing the very stern letter. I think you should write that letter and you can read it out next week on, yeah. our, on our podcast, I think. Yeah. yeah, I will write in 
to that yeah there's an authority for it or something isn't it or the radio station or something like that and say yeah. this that's full that's false advertising it is you must have been quite cross yeah it took me some time to recover from it and it was just before i was nodding off to go to sleep as well because i like to have the radio on when i go to when i'm going to sleep it kept me awake for a further hour and a half oh just, just thinking about it and you know a little bit of rage and building up and stuff like that and then i calmed down but yeah that was immediately that's that was my moment shocking. just shocking the claim people make yeah i mean you can't back it just out of the telling I was on the radio, wasn't it? On the radio. Yeah, it was on the radio. I shout. I shouted at. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I shouted at Alexa. Okay, and it wasn't her fault. She was. You know, she was the messenger. Yeah. And I shouted at the messenger, and I felt quite bad about that. But yeah, um, pretty, pretty, pretty poor. Now, now, just before we close, how not to murder your grumpy by Carol E. Wire. It is the letter E, so maybe I should carry on researching her middle name because she still hasn't confirmed it. No, she hasn't. <laughs> Before you do that, one of the things I think we should be talking about, because I also like to bring in a little bit of jargon in these in these podcasts just to get people thinking, is the concept of distributed dialogue. Distributed dialogue. Look, I, I'll do the research on distributed dialogue. And you, and you do the letter E from Carol E. Wire, um, which I'll give you that task in a minute. But just, yeah. to, just to get people out there listening, our, our thousands of listeners all excited, and to give them something to do for the weekend, a distributed dialogue is a decentralised approach to deliberation with the aim to develop dispersed, ongoing, embedded discussions around a given policy issue. Now that's firstly that's the most D's I think I've ever heard in one sentence. Distributed so dialogue is a decentralised approach to deliberation with aim to develop dispersed, ongoing, embedded discussions around a given policy issue. That is distributed dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking forward to researching this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I, I think what we can come up with, if we can remember, Elton, is like let's we'll come up with some examples of distributed dialogue. Yeah, and then maybe how they can be done using an online platform like Engagement HQ. Yes, and I'm not even going to say other platforms are available because in well, my mind, in, in my mind, they're absolutely not. Well, right. <laughs> no, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the kind of case study approach um, to that, and we can we can talk that through at the start of next week. But your task under E it could have been electronics, but I'm not going for that. What, but in E, you've got early medieval historic reenactments and you've got English Civil War enactments. So my, your challenge this week is to find out what kinds of public consultation did they do in the, med in the medieval, medieval? medieval period? So what, so what did they do? I mean, there must have been some form of public consultation. It wasn't all about just chopping people's heads off if you disagreed with them. I reckon there was some form of consultation in medieval times in yeah. in in this in Britain. Oh, I'm quite looking forward to that. Now, when you initially said it, my first thought was I kind of slapped my forehead, but like face palm, like oh no, this is going to be horrendous. And actually, it's quite interesting, isn't it? To yeah. think about how they might have approached it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking but, forward to that because it could have been Eddie Stobart. That's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you know, you've that one. I bet, I bet in medieval times, they never got video conferencing fatigue. No, they didn't, no. <laughs> they just got put in the stocks. <laughs> Which is just as good. Right, well, on that happy note, then, I'll go off and research that, and we will write up all our blurb. And, um, yeah, until next time. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the UK Consult. Join us for future conversations each week as we continue to explore the tremendous, meaningful and ever-evolving world of digital consultation and community engagement. You can view additional educational resources at bangthetable.com.